Hi everyone and welcome to Empowering the Opposition. My name is Dr. Nafis Alam and our topic today will be weathering midlife crises, coming to grips with aging and the second half of life. Now many of you might be aware that I am 37 years old and according to uh, widely accepted research, 37 to 50 is when uh, the majority of people experience midlife crises. And thus, I suppose I am uniquely, well, not uniquely, I am qualified to speak on this subject now that I am a uh, building experiential knowledge on the matter. Now, what is the midlife crisis, first of all? Um, it's, it's sort of an acceptance and an understanding that the front nine of your life has been played, whether you've played it well or whether you've played it poorly, it's been played. And the second half or the back nine of your life is uh, is now beginning. Um, and what uh, what will you be doing with the second half of your life? And it's also a good time to reflect on the first half of your life and, and ask yourself if, uh, if you've done everything that you wanted to do, uh, if you're proud of who you've been uh, and proud of who you've become, and uh, are you sticking to the trajectory that you had planned for yourself and in, in what you want to accomplish with your life, um, you know, from beginning to end. Uh, midlife crises generally are, are dealt with in many different ways. Um, most, the most common example of a midlife crisis, uh, you tend to think of someone just buying a convertible and uh, sort of uh, behaving as though that they're not aging anymore and, um, you know, sort of acting younger than they might actually be. Um, you know, reliving the 20s or the teens and, and just pretending to be much younger than, uh, than they are. Um, that's one way to go about it. And of course, in true empowering the opposition form, we want to consider differing perspectives on how to experience midlife crises. I'll certainly be sharing my experience with what I've, uh, you know, what my assessment of my life has been and um, and, you know, how I see the second half of my life going as well. But, of course, that's just my experience. It's not, uh, it's not everybody else's. Aside from the convertible example, uh, midlife crises can sometimes mean um, an end of a relationship, uh, seeking some, something different, um, even the start of a relationship, thinking that time is running out, potentially. Um, some other examples might be buying things that, uh, that you really shouldn't be buying or don't really jive with your personality thus far. Some sort of change sometimes. Um, the idea there could be that, you know, you may not be happy with, uh, where you are at halftime in your life and thus, you know, halftime adjustments need to be made and, some people are pretty dramatic with the halftime adjustments that they make, thinking that they'll get uh, different results um, moving forward. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, others, of course, are, are happy with what they've been doing in the first half of their lives and um, aim to have as few halftime adjustments as possible in hopes that the trajectory continues and, uh, you know, you're able to play out the back nine of your life in a, in a positive kind of way, uh, the way that you've played the front nine. Um, essentially, trying to not mess up the back nine uh, after having played well in the front nine. If I'm using too many sports analogies, you'll understand why, of course, uh, given, my, given my history. So 
in addition to that, um, uh, what other examples can we think of when it comes to midlife crises and and what we might start experiencing um, and how we might respond to those experiences? From a physical standpoint, I can say for myself, and I'm sure for many people as well, um, 37 to 50, which is when the midlife crisis usually tends to happen, uh, that's when physical deterioration uh, begins. Um, I can say for myself, uh, not as fast as I used to be. Uh, Oddly, I am stronger than I've ever been, which I guess that's that old man strength. Um, the agility, getting out of bed uh, in the morning. Sometimes it takes a little while longer just to, to stretch everything out. Random things hurt, and you have no idea why they hurt. And uh, uh, you quickly realize that the pain isn't necessarily going to go away. You just have to learn how to mitigate it and, and deal with it and give yourself a couple of extra minutes in the morning to, to allow yourself to wake up and allow your body to catch up to your mind. Um, you know, uh, Myself, for example, uh, there's been a little bit of a rejection of that midlife physical degeneration as I've moved further into a contact sport that maybe as a 37-year-old I shouldn't be, uh, which is boxing. Um, and, uh, you know, my goal there is to is to really uh, rediscover my youth if I can, um, if that's possible at this age. Um, but, you know, everyone experiences mid- their midlife crises in different ways. I can also say that the physical degeneration uh, or deterioration, however you, way you want to put it, um, that might be the, the con of it, but the pro, in true empowering the opposition form, what, what might be one of the pros uh, to that is that you've likely lived a life where you have enough experience to pass on, pass on to others and help them develop through their teens and 20s and, and 30s, early 30s, possibly, and, uh, and 40s. So you've gathered the experience necessary to be a teacher of sorts, a mentor in many ways, um, and helping others uh, reach the goals that you yourself have already reached. Um, and, uh, and you can provide experiential knowledge on what to do, how to do it, um, you know, sort of like timing and things like that. Many of my, uh, my old students, for example, have uh, reached out to me and asked uh, for some guidance in regards to getting their doctorate degrees and moving forward into uh, academia and, uh, and, you know, becoming professors themselves potentially. Um, while I, in my 20s and in my thir- or early 30s, I, uh, I was building the experience now I have the experience to share so that uh, that those uh, students, former students of mine that I'm mentoring, hopefully won't make the same mistakes that I, did, I made, but they'll make their own mistakes. In, in many ways, you do have to make your own mistakes. And uh, I think that's what I'm realizing as a mentor, too, is that there's a lot of advice that I don't give. Um, and that has a lot to do with the midlife crisis and that now that I'm looking back on the first half of my life, I realized that um, a lot of my mentors knew answers to some of the questions that I was asking, but they intentionally did not give me the answers that I was seeking because it was my responsibility to, to find them myself uh, and, and develop that level of wisdom. And I, I find myself doing the same thing with many of the of the folks that I'm working with. Now, of course, I'm not trying to uh, uh, sabotage anybody. I want everyone, especially those who are working with me, I want them to be successful because their success is my success. Um, But I'm realizing that 
some of the questions that were being asked of me, what should I do with my life? Should I do this or should I do that? I'm realizing that the answer is often, well, you, you have to figure that out on your own. And uh, a lot of my mentors have said the same thing to me in the past. And and I always wondered that because they figured, they you know, they, they were successful. Why wouldn't they just tell me exactly what they would do so this way I can then do the same thing? But it's clear that they went through their midlife crises and then came to the realization that people have to run their own journeys and uh, run their own lives. And, um, you know, my mentors didn't want to take that experience away from me, and I'm not going to be taking that experience away from the people that I have uh, have the honor of, uh, of mentoring. So, you know, my goal, of course, you know, in this midlife crisis situation type of deal is to uh, is to continue to help people that are, that are working with me, but um, but do it do so in a way that they get to experience all of the peaks and valleys of this roller coaster ride that's called life, right? So, um, you know, it's one of the ways to sort of approach midlife midlife crises, and of course, the second half of life. You know, what's next um, for someone like myself or someone in their between thirty seven and fifty? It's a good time to sort of make those halftime adjustments that I just spoke about. Um, you know, what what will the second half of your life entail? <clears throat> it may be that uh, that you've been going in the direction that you've been meaning to go. Uh, it may also be that um, a lot of the things, uh, I can use myself as an example here as well, most of the things that I set out to accomplish, I have accomplished, whether it's a doctorate degree or whatever it is that I wanted to accomplish in, in, in sports and, and things like that, and being a professor, published author, um, this podcast, which has been a dream of mine for some time, and the YouTube channel, everything, you know, volunteering, service, things like that. You you could make an argument that, you know, have I achieved everything that I've set out to achieve? So if that is indeed the case, then now what? And I think that's what a midlife crisis really is, is that you're trying to figure out now what, right? You've lived half your life. Now what? And so I think it's not that I have answers, um, nor is it really appropriate to share those answers as though those are the answers that would be um, that would apply to to anyone experiencing a midlife crisis. But it's an acknowledgement that new questions will be asked. Now what? What do we do with the second half of of life? And um, it's a wonderful journey because the alternative, of course, is that you don't have a second half and you're you're not alive. So this is a, a wonderful privilege to be you know, to be experiencing a midlife crisis, if you will, not not crisis in the sense of um, particular levels of severity. Rather, it's a crisis in that you're just trying to figure out what's next, now what? And it uh, can be a wonderful uh, journey moving forward. Um, you know, I still have things that I'm sure... Uh, didn't think that I would be doing, like with the whole modeling and acting stuff. Never thought that I'd be getting into that, and that's what I've been doing lately, and I imagine that I'll be doing more of that moving forward. And, you know, the 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 wonder might be the most exciting thing because you might have plans, you might want to make plans uh, for what the second half of, lo- of your life will entail. But just like the first half of your life, much of it will be unexpected, and you will end up where you never expected to end up, uh, or ne- you'll end up where you never expected to be. 
So if you can use this, the first half of your life as a, uh, a standard for the second half of your life, you can continue to make plans, of course, as you should. You know, you shouldn't go into anything without a blueprint, without a game plan. But understand that the course of the game will be different from what you had planned, and you'll have to make adjustments along the way, but you've done it already. You know, if you're of this age and you're listening to this, you've done it already. That first half of your life, you lived, you've made adjustments, you've ended up now where you never thought you'd be, and um, for better or for worse. And you, since you figured it out up until now, you can have confidence in the fact that you can figure it out uh, the rest of the way. That second half of your life, you might not know what you're going to be doing, but you know that you'll be able to figure it out just like you did with the first half of your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Dr. Nafis Alam, and this has been Empowering the Opposition. See you next time. <laughs>